Ladies and gents, welcome to Book Record Beer Season 3, Episode 4. A very special cast, because we are not in the basement this time. We are at Hero Complex on Main Street in Maniunk. Maniunk! Very excited <laughs> for this. So, uh, as always, I am uh, Nick Mahalik, one of your hosts, joined by my friend Daniel DeFranco. Hello. Uh, Nick Gregorio. Hey there, everybody. And the owner, proprietor of Hero Complex, JD. Oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> so we are, we are especially psyched, as I'm sure uh, you may have put together. Um, we are doing a graphic novel for this one, our first graphic novel in the history of the cast, um, something that I have recently, over the past few years, gotten more and more into. Nick, I know you're a huge fan. JD, you dabble. I dabble. <laughs> <laughs> I dabble. <laughs> <laughs> he just dabs. He walks around kind of He's just dabbing. dabbing. And uh, Daniel, are you are you a avid reader? Comics In my man? younger and more vulnerable years. Ah, I, uh, I see. Had a foray into the, uh, the the graphic art. Ooh, like you creating or are you reading? A little bit of both. Nice. Well, I'm interested in in, in talking about that. Um, but before we do. As usual, I want to introduce people uh, in a way that I think is pertinent to the episode thematically. So we are characters that are stereotypical to an apocalyptic story because as we are, we're doing Trillium by Jeff Lemire, which is an apocalyptic story. Nick, this is a holy Gregorio cast. You have chosen all of these elements except for the beer, I believe, right? Well, I, I chose the beer too, but that was oh, right. that was a thing that Your choice it, it's not a big through. deal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you chose. I'm so fucking mad. No. <laughs> by uh, Jeff Lemire is, is a guy you introduced me to. Who yes, I love, I, I love Lemire. He's he's one of my favorite writers. Lemire is the pronunciation. I don't really I've know. Been saying it I've been saying Lemire. Uh, I say it different every time. <laughs> <laughs> Lemire. Challenge accepted. Lemire. That would make sense from the Canadianness of the dude. That's true. Lemire. What, what was the first Lemire you read? Um, or Animal Man. Your favorite. I'm sorry. My favorite. Um, Essex County. Okay. I'm with you on yeah. that. Made me shed a tear. Yeah, really great. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Um, and we're doing Infinity Shred, band of your choosing. Yes, sir. Um, their album, Long Distance, most recent. Uh, and we are doing Flying Dogs Bloodline, which is a blood orange ale. Uh, and to introduce us, I'm going to introduce us as, well, basically apocalyptic characters that are stereotypical. JD, uh, you are the dude who knows it's the apocalypse before everyone else knows it's the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, he's, just, he's, so, he's so fucking aware. And uh, yeah, he's just trying to warn us all. And, I'm and the Randy from Scream. There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> Here's the rules for an, a, a surviving an apocalypse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, get together, fellas. And we're just like, nah, man. Absolutely not. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Um, Daniel, you are the dude who is like the soldier who's super jaded. On the whole thing, like, I can't believe you're going to fucking do this. Not even, there's no fucking point. And then you're the one who, like, lays down your life for the good of humanity at the end. Uh, right? well, he, he comes around. The man starts comes off around. as a dick. Yeah. In real life. Redeems himself. I will the be whole the time, one. he's really feeling like, <laughs> no, that's his role. Yeah. But In real life, I will be the one that dies instantly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not made for an apocalypse. I see that flash, bones. It'd be a, a shadow on a wall. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and Gregorio, you are the guy who, um, in in my estimation, would be watching out for everybody 
to his own sort of like fault. Oh. You're 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 the guy in, in sort of the background who's who's like really trying to make sure everybody's cool and then ultimately similar to Daniel's fate. That seems to be most people's fate, to be perfectly honest. Oh yeah, I mean and I'm not sure any of us would be the hero. Uh, no. in the <laughs> 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 to be perfectly honest. Um, yeah, so I, I, I feel like that's that's sort of the scene sure. for us. Uh, Nick, you would be... Right? I just made this up. I did not give this any forethought. <laughs> uh, you would be a cross between a Rick Grimes and um, Norman Reedus. <laughs> between a fictional character <laughs> and a real-life actor. <laughs> I feel like that is you've summed it up. Yeah, you think well. you're gonna do it shirtless needs to be all done. the time. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll eat a snake. Yeah, you know? I thought you were gonna reference tremors for some reason. I don't know why that was in my head. Um, Kevin Bacon. <laughs> but apt. Apt. I'd agree. Um, so to start, because this is the first time we are doing a graphic novel or comics of any kind. I want us to sort of go around and, and give what our introduction to comics was, because I think that's a really necessary thing. I think for a lot of people, um, and I'm sure we'll see it here, th th there's almost like periods of time or, or, or movements in life where comics fill uh, a need or a gap or, or something that we absolutely um, are, are really benefited by. Um, so mine is, I'll start. Let's keep newspaper. it under three. What's that? Let's keep it under three. Minutes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I definitely am going to. Mine is, is newspaper comics. So I was introduced uh, to comics through newspaper comics. I would read them all. My father would cut out two for me and put them in my lunchbox every day. Oh, that's uh, very sweet. Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah, and give me that. Dick Tracy. Um, Ooh. Let me take that back. For <laughs> <laughs> well, Dick Tracy because it was serial. And I, at a very young age, realized that I loved really long, arcing stories. Serial storytelling. Exactly. It's terrific. Um, and... Calvin and Hobbes because that was intellectually challenging and I always felt like I got so much more from it and I identified with Calvin so much and, and uh, just like the character and world building of that, that strip I thought were fantastic and in the dailies he didn't really mess with form but in the, in the Sundays he really did um, so my introduction was holy Calvin Hobbes over Dick Tracy for sure Bought all the books. I used to be left in the mall at Walden Books just to read the mm -hmm. Calvin and Hobbes. I would read them all, and then I'd end up purchasing it. But yeah, Walden Books, old school. Yeah, loved it. I they would drop me off, and then they do their shopping. Um, I'm pretty sure one or once or twice. They left <laughs> Very similar mall experience. <laughs> yeah. Nick, you just hang out in there, bud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> always, Valley was always had to hit up the bookstore. Uh, you have to. Yeah. yeah. So what's yours, Daniel? Much like yours, uh, Calvin and Hobbes. When I was uh, a youngster. Mm -hmm. I think the Weirdos from Outer Space was my... Weirdos from Another Planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine was its uh, its uh, counterpart in Yukon Ho. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I was probably like eight or nine whenever it came, whenever, whenever it came out. My nice. my dad got that for Classic book fair? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't That's know. I got like, Ho, yeah. It was a birthday present or something. Shout like out that. to Scholastic sure. Book Fair. Yeah. I bought all the Animorphs books. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so so Calvin and Hobbes... Um, and then for a long, long time, I used to want to be a Batman comic uh, drawer, artist. Oh, wow. That was like one of my earliest things, like what do I want to do with my life? Uh, and I drew all the time. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then when I started getting a little bit of an allowance um, or, or working, I was like maybe nine years old. I was allowed to go to Ridge Avenue by myself. There was a comic book shop. I'd have a dollar, and I'd go and 
the the Superman comics were the last ones that were sixty two. What the hell? Well, these comics were like a buck ten. No, they're about this. It's like eighty nine, ninety. Okay. Superman comics were the last ones that were seventy five cents. They were all the other ones were a dollar or more. How about that? So I'd buy a Superman comic. And then I'd take that quarter and I'd go and play in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom pinball machine. Ah, uh, no, that was my awesome. Saturday morning. That's great. That's a killer Saturday. Yeah, yeah. And then I and then I found the guitar and then comics fell off. Yeah. Ah, faded. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sports faded when I found the drums. Yeah. 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 Um, I my comic book life started very early. Um, my mom, my dad would buy me Superman books. Um, like I have. Death of Superman. I have the Superman wedding special, um, like way back. And <laughs> Didn't know that exists. Yeah, 1996. It had like an all-star writing and, and artist team. Oh no, the kidding. wedding did, of like, Superman. Yeah, but with uh, with Lois Lane. Wow, I stopped <clears throat> right after the Death of Superman. There was that was the last. Uh, there was that was the last batch Spoilers. that I bought. How about that? How about that? Um, <laughs> But I guess I didn't really start getting to the serialized nature of comics until 1997, which was, you know, the tail end of the really bad comic books in the 90s, just being, you know, big muscles, big guns. Uh, No, it was actually when Superman's power set and costume changed. Like Mm. he was now, he could now generate electricity instead of being super strong. And he had this blue, ridiculous costume. And I loved it. (laughs) Um, So I, I have almost every issue. From all three of the Superman titles that were happening at that point during wow. that run, um, and what I were loved the three? it. Those action um, comics, Man of Steel, right? Action, Detective, Superman. Uh, action was Superman's title. Detective is Batman. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Um, I think it was Man of Steel. I'm pretty sure. Um, those were those three main titles, and and back then, like all of them interacted with each other because they were mm-hmm. telling this macro arc with this power set change. It's like the same story. Mm-hmm. When I was collecting, that was it was the same thing. Yep. Pretty much. Um, now every book has its own particular arc and whatever. Um, but from that Superman blue, um, oh, no. I went and got, yeah, you know it. <laughs> um, and then I was like, ooh, Spawn, another woefully ignorant thing to get into. But it was, I loved it. And ever since then, that I was a huge thing. And it's, it's, people still read it. It's still mm-hmm. going. It's like, mm-hmm. what, 250 issues? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. That, I mean, the, the merchandising on Spawn, yeah. I remember. Yeah, well, the McFarlane toys made that what it is, and Image yeah. Comics being, like, um, the place to go. And at well, the time, the McFarlane Tours were the best on the, in, on the market. 100%, yes. Yeah. 100%. And and I, I appreciated later on learning how, um, you know, Watterson didn't merchandise Calvin mm-hmm. and Hobbes. I really appreciate that, because I remember going up to the flea markets, and they would have bootleg Calvin and Hobbes shirts. I remember getting one. It was like my prize, prize, prize possession. Yeah. But I never wanted a Hobbes doll or anything like that. Yeah. I guess because it didn't exist. But also... Yeah, I really appreciate that in the long run because, yeah. I don't know, do, do you find that like merchandising of certain things can sometimes lessen it as yeah, you know, a child or, or something like that? I think without, well, just from a purely a publishing, a publishing standpoint, Image Comics would have been nothing without the Spawn merchandising mm-hmm. that mm. took place in so the 90s. So it enables 90s. sort of yeah. like... And now happening. Image Comics is like, it's, it's, it's DC, Marvel, and Image. It wasn't that way before it is now. Wow. So. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, growing up um, with uh, the whole Spawn thing and, and learning about um, merchandising and everything, you were talking about Calvin and Hobbes, Bill Watterson. Yeah. I respect that as well. Uh, but I think his was very specific about the magic of the story he was telling. I don't think he's yes. anti-merchandise. I felt like he felt like it ruined the magic of his story because it's about mm-hmm. a little boy who 
has a, a stuffed tiger that he talks to, but does it actually come to life or is it a stuffed tiger? And then if they make stuffed tiger figures for people to buy, then it's always a stuffed tiger. It takes, Absolutely. Right. yeah, it sort mm. of like thematically drains, um, I think, his well there a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, what, uh, JD, what was your introduction to, to comics? Well, it's a couple of things. It was uh, Archie Comics when I would go to the supermarket and there'd be those little digests <laughs> yeah. uh, as they're being, you know, as you're getting wrung out. I would grab one of those. Uh, Transformers and GI Joe were big right properties in the '80s, so I was, yeah. I was like, oh, I love the cartoon. There's comics. Yep. Holy cats! And then um, <laughs> Spider-Man for superheroes would be Spider-Man um, Annual Number One, the first appearance of the Sinister Six by uh, Lee and Ditko. Nice. I had a reprint of it. That's great. And uh, yeah, that's when I sort of, uh, between Ditko and McFarlane, I wanted to be uh, uh, an artist. That's sort of where yeah. I decided I wanted to be an artist. So Wonderful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Excellent. I think it's worth mentioning that we are live from Hero Complex, and yeah. the proprietor, uh, the hero of the shop, <laughs> JD, will be stepping out periodically yeah, yeah, as customers yeah. come in. Yeah, absolutely. See, um, I'm not the hero. I'm the complex. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so uh, let's get into the graphic novel here. Um, let's do it. This is a recommendation from Nick. You actually have really expanded. I think since I've met you, my library of graphic novels has quintupled, um, right on. if not more. Uh, and you, you recommend so many good ones, the vast majority being Jeff Lemire's. Yeah. Um, I, I've been buying almost all his stuff because I kill authors, and I, I, yeah. I try and do that. And he I love. Um, so... With Trillium, can you give us a sort of like an overview of the uh, text? Yeah, so Trillium is high concept sci-fi uh, in which you have two characters from completely different time periods and parts of space who yep. meet through this doorway in time and space and fall in love and then destroy all of time and space because of that. Um, and it's a... So I, I meant to say, that, so it was serialized. It was eight issues yeah. that came out monthly between uh, 2013 and 2014. Um, and I loved it serialized. Like the, the time it took to get to the next issue made the time ah, in the story yeah. feel less compressed. And then when That's I went, yeah. And then when I went to read it in its form now, which is a trade paperback or graphic novel, whatever you want to call it, um, it, crams everything together yep. and you can't recreate that you know serialized form you know right. unless you took a month off of every chapter yeah. um <laughs> yeah but right and that'd be weird yeah um would. but it was meant to be serialized it wasn't written as a graphic novel and i think try this this trend of having comics be forced into a graphic novel form is what made a story like this suffer mm. um narratively but the reason I love it so much and the reason that I have taught it in, in a graphic novel course at Chestnut Hill College is because it takes the comic bookness of form to the nth degree while still being very accessible for the mainstream reader. Because this was released on Vertigo, which was a DC imprint. Mm -hmm. um, and they still want, they still expect a lot of books to move. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So he owns this. Yeah, that's, it's a creator-owned book. Um, and that's what Vertigo did. They, they allowed creators to license, to have their own stuff underneath yeah. this larger umbrella as long as they were getting their DC schedules in on time. Right, so um, that's what I was actually going to ask. Yeah. Do we think that that's why he's, um, one, able to experiment as much? Because I know 
to, and I'm going to link it back to Calvin Hobbs because that's what I know the most of. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, you read so many interviews with Wallerstein and stuff like that, and his battles with the newspapers yeah. were, were, you know, sort of like legendary. Yeah. And the Sundays especially where he's messing with form and different things like yeah. that. Do we know if, if Lemire had that same sort of uh, contention or because he owned it in the way that he did and it wasn't syndicated, like, yeah. you know, um, perhaps it was a different scene? Well, it's it's my understanding with, with comics, unlike traditional publishing like prose and poetry, that you, you, you get your start through self-publishing. Um, right. And then maybe you get a book that comes out under a particular publisher. And then to make money, you go into the, into the big two. Um, and start writing licensed material. Yeah. And that was the trajectory that Meyer took. And he was still writing creator-owned stuff, but while he was working for DC Proper, he had Sweet Tooth that came out on Vertigo, yeah. um, which is excellent. Actually, and then yeah, um, Trillium. Um, and then he sort of reached critical mass with his superhero stuff. Um, and I think he hasn't done many superhero books in recent history, like two or three years. Um, yeah, the last I remember him doing was Justice League United. Yeah, yeah, and like yeah. they they did a run on X Men, but now mm. he's back to focusing right. on creator owned stuff because he's yeah. at a point where he's built such an audience that he can yeah, man. support himself on creator owned material, which is not always the case. Um, but I don't, I don't. He is one of the most polite people that you'll see on the internet. He doesn't. <laughs> he has never done a, an interview where he slammed a publisher. Um, he has moved from DC to Marvel and then back to DC for whatever particular reason. Um, but he is yeah. always his main focus has always been creator owned material. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can kind of see it. I think. Yeah. I mean, he's a cartoonist and like that by trade. That's where he started. So that's what I was going to ask, and you've taught this, and I, I was going to put it out to everybody. Like, do we think um, you know because this is our first graphic novel on the cast that this would be a good one as to work as an introduction to comics and graphic novels uh to someone who perhaps uh hasn't jumped into that pool yet um to show what a comic book can do sure um probably not if you want to wow somebody with a great narrative and i i'd say yes to that because i'm not a huge graphic novel guy Mm -hmm. and if someone gave me this in fact you did give me this (laughs) like this is is this what they're like? Because I'm not, I don't think I'm signing up for round two. Hmm. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah. I absolutely would not just hand this to anybody off the street who's like, what is comic book? How do I do? <laughs> um, I certainly wouldn't do that. Stuff like this or Watchmen, I wouldn't bother with. I would, I would ease them in gently with, right. uh, with something a little lighter yeah. and not quite as dense. Um, now, if someone comes in and they're just like, I'm a hardcore sci-fi fan, well, um, then sure, maybe yep. I would hand it to them. But, yeah, this isn't something that I would – you don't wet your toes with Trillium. Yeah. Right, yeah, right. yeah, absolutely. So I guess um, let's talk about the story a bit sure. here. I found it particularly engaging. Um, I did have, you know, a couple things, and I think you really answered a lot of my concerns or perhaps where I, I fell off a little bit with it being compressed. That yeah. really makes a lot of sense, mm-hmm. you know, because if you do have to wait – I've had that, you know, situation a few times where I've had to wait for the next issue. And in that time, you're building story in your head. And I think that's a really important thing to remember here. What we have is a medium that is giving you the image. So it's interestingly converse to our typical literature because your imagination is, is, is creating the image. Here you're being given it. But what works in favor of comics to continue that traditional storytelling, you know, um, approach is that you're, you're building in the time waiting 
a lot of story, a lot of anticipation, a lot of that guesswork yep. um, and stuff like that, which which makes a story for, yep. for just about everybody, right? So that's a very interesting thing. Yeah. And I'm glad that you brought that up because I didn't even think about it. And I knew yeah. that it was eight issues, yeah. um, but I didn't even consider it because one of my major things was um, some of the characters fell a little flat, particularly William's wife. Yep. Um, and, you know, I just, I was, I was really hoping to get more character. And in my head, I was like, this should be twice as long. Right. However, from those little bits that he gives us, had I had that waiting period, I wonder if I would have built more and I wouldn't have even noticed when the next issue came out. I'll tell you what, I read it in singles. I, I was profoundly moved by the, the, this book, um, this series, um, as it was coming out, because you're Why? right. Um, it. They felt it was a key yeah. story. They, in the face. interim between <laughs> issues, um, my first thought was, "Well, what's going to happen next? This is a crazy sci-fi story." And then my brain started going, and then the characters had time to sit for a month, mm-hmm. and I got motivations, I got reasons for being, and reasons for doing. I got all of that in the waiting period. So yeah. over those eight months, it was something that I really loved. And then when I went back and read it, I was like, it, it loses that. Yep. But I teach it and I enjoy it because one, Lemire's art style is unique. And two, um, he, this book is designed to use the medium. Mm-hmm. So Turning the book around and, you know. Yeah, so that's one of the things yeah. I want to talk about. But Your uh, anticipation was akin to a will-they-won't-they Ross, Rachel, in real time, <laughs> as opposed to binging on Netflix. You're not wrong. It. No, he's, yeah. you know, that was a really funny comment, but you're not wrong. No, that is the, that's probably what it was. A bit reductive, though. Come on. <laughs> Ross and Rachel, will they, won't Come they? on, man. And before that was this funny. cast is over, I will have mentioned friends three times. <laughs> Mark his words. Yeah, I, so I, yeah, I, um, I, I have to, take Nick's word for it, but I see it to be true that if I had that waiting period, those things would have been less uh, sort of like apparent, you know, where, yeah. where the, the character development and the world building seemed like it needed that time for me to develop it in my own mind. And so one of the things that, that came to me was in reading it, you see, you know, the aliens are blue and things like that. And they have like this, I'll call it unobtainium in the, in the trillium flower, right? <laughs> which, which reminded me of when I walked out of the premiere of Avatar with one Tom Bannon, he goes, why didn't they call it unobtainium? Come on. And that's what I was thinking of with the Trillium mm. Flower was, was, wow, this is so similar to Avatar, the movie, right? That I was, I was wondering, you know, what, what really does separate it in terms of, of, of story and, and plot and these different things, like the character development, surely, and the going through time, of course, mm-hmm. But there were so many similarities. I don't know if anybody else caught that, felt that, well, was thinking about how. Uh, I how could that say, I can say this: Avatar or Trillium is is similar to Avatar as Avatar is similar to Aliens Two, to All Aliens. Right. You know All what right. I mean? It's the same. I'll it's the, it's using classic sci-fi tropes. Mm-hmm. What I enjoy about Lemire is he writes about two things: family drama or a love story. Yep, that's it. Hence even the in his beer. yeah, even in his superhero books, his X Men run. Family drama. Yeah. You know, it, it's just what he does, and he does it so well. Incredible. That and mixed with terrifying. the thing. Yeah, well... Great. That's yeah, great. He yeah. and Snyder... Well, he yeah. and Snyder together are like freaking geniuses. It makes me mad. <laughs> I felt the, the love story in this incredibly forced. 
And, uh, yep, I don't read a lot of comics, but uh, I, I, the comics I read the most are, are Batman. The, whenever there's a full series, I'll get the graphic novel. Yeah. Um, and even in that, I mean, you just, you just have to say things, you know. Oh, I met you an hour ago, and I don't know why I feel this way about you. Like, I get it. You've got to got to move right. the story along. But yeah, They have like, a page come limit. On. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, here, here's the thing, and I'll, I'll, I've been kind of alluding to it, but with the wife, she was such a flat character for me, and I wanted her to be more, to have this romance make more sense to me and, and, and the urgency of it not outweigh the actual emotion of it. And that kind of was the thing for me was it was an unknown, like a, like an attraction that, that, that couldn't be sort of like articulated, but you have to articulate it some way and you have the medium to do so when you have comic, you know? So I, I, I was a little bit disappointed there because he is so good at that. And, and, and the family drama and the, the romance, I felt like should have been amped up a little bit because this is an author who's been able to get me to shed a tear, you know? Yeah. So he, I know he can do it. Well, um, and I wanted, I wanted more in, in, in that interaction between those two because it just felt like the urgency was totally outweighing hmm. like their need to be smashed up against one another yeah. for the good of the universe or whatever it might be outweighed that there was actual attraction and, and, and emotion there. And I wanted that to be, to be there because he was in, he sets it up well. This is the thing. He sets it up so well uh, for William to, to need this, this person um, in uh, Nika? Nika. Right? Nika. Yeah. Um, pronunciation, not my forte. <laughs> uh, but, it's but, not your forte. <laughs> <laughs> but but, that, but that, that I felt like could have really, yeah. really helped. You know what did it for me? Um, the, when the universe got mashed up and they effectively switched places. That was fun. That was uh, yeah. fun. And that was, yeah. to me, they lived each other's lives mm-hmm. in alternate, mm-hmm. you know, so that, knowing that they're living each other's lives, knowing that they're experiencing who the other is. Which is what you do when you find your exactly. partner, when you find your other. And yeah. not explicitly stated, but that is, that's a huge moment for me mm-hmm. yeah. in, in that relationship. And while, you know, forced, maybe not. Um, I think that's incredibly effective, especially when you have a 22-page count that you have to yeah. hit and get off to your editor for your monthly deadline. You know what I mean? I got mad that I had to flip the book upside down and it read. It was like a Jennifer Egan. No, 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 like, no. That I, and this yeah, is why. And this me. is because you. <laughs> You're good. You motherfuckers! <laughs> I knew you were going to talk about Jennifer Egan. <laughs> I knew it, and that is. So are you defending hey man, this I'm or so, Jennifer Higgins? I'm defending Trillium. <laughs> I'm defending it's you asking well you but to... I know, what it's, I know what it was asking. Even if it wasn't that the, the, the bottom comic was reversed. You know, if, it, if, if I could have just went back and done... Visually, it was, some of those uh, panels are pretty cool to see them. The, oh, I'm yeah, sorry. The His layouts are incredible. Yeah. I'm in the middle of The Keep right now. Why are you referencing Jennifer Egan? Oh, um, from a visit, visit from to the Goon Squad. Yeah. Oh, in like we haven't, haven't gotten to that one yet. The ninetieth, the the last section of the book is like a hundred and twenty page PowerPoint presentation. Oh. Yeah, and, you and have it to won the Pulitzer. It. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it won the Pulitzer. It's yeah. won the Pulitzer, huh. and I'm like, <laughs> fancy <laughs> this device. This is a fucking yeah. PowerPoint presentation. It, it seemed it seemed a little cheap. I don't think Trillium, his use of it was cheap. No, I, I was more yeah. uh, a little a little uh, annoyed, and I and that didn't come through. Until you just said it, the the switching, yeah. like they were literally in each other's lives. I understood yep. that, but I didn't take it to that next level, which he was definitely implying. I think to go, this is what happens when you find your person. This yeah. is what happens when you find your your um, 
your other, yeah. uh, your partner, and, and you are part of their lives, yeah. they're part of yours, and they walk in your mm. shoes with you. I was, I'm sorry, I was, um, I felt a little bit of the same way that Daniel did about, uh, like, all right, guys, they're in love because reasons, I guess. Uh, <laughs> because I'm a man and you're a woman. Mm. And so I was a little annoyed at that, but um, after I put the book down and, and kind of thought about it for a little while, I came to appreciate it a little bit more because I was thinking of The Flash. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wally West and Linda are the, the if anyone knows the Flash, uh, Wally West is a Flash and he's got a soulmate, Linda. And he calls her his lightning rod. So whenever he runs too fast, goes into the speed force, uh, he uses her as a lightning rod to come back to, you know, rematerialize and everything like that. And so that's sort of what I, how I feel about these two characters in that. Like, yes, the amount of time they've spent together is very limited, but because of that body switching thing, not body switching, but life switching thing, yeah, it feels the, the almost like up. they're each other's lightning rods yeah. and they're connected yeah. they in were, that way. They anchored each other. Yeah, yeah. yes, anchors, yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I do, I appreciate a little bit more knowing that they have lived each other's lives a little bit, and yep. that is what connects them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like um, in uh, you just made me think of Poltergeist, where mm-hmm. they have the 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 mother goes in to grab the daughter, and she's mm-hmm. tethered back to the yeah. other reality. That's almost like there's a tether between them mm-hmm. in that way. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, I I can see it. I've, I understand really the frustration. <laughs> I understand I the frustration. I, I got frustrated with that chapter. Yeah. I felt like that chapter was meant to be one of the, or that issue was meant to be one of the really crystallizing ones yeah. where we understood all these things that we're kind of questioning right now. I'll put it to you guys, this other thing that I thought was really important and well done. This was the thing that stuck with me the most, which was uh, the invention of Essie mm. and Essie's mm. role in the in the story. Because um, in my estimation, she's what lives on. Uh, and it was that creation that actually sort of ended up being the thing that lived on from this, this romance and, and, and gives sort of life a chance um and i was wondering i put it to you she's a robot so i was wondering what we thought about the idea that creating a a, a robot to live on and save us is a possibility Hmm. an absurd thought a profound thought i don't know what are our well first of all it's not a robot right it's a a system it's a ai right right yeah Yeah, there's no there's no body physical yeah Yeah. right right absolutely but uh, I'll tell you this. Um, and once they say, hey, Nick, we're going to plug you in, download your consciousness, mm-hmm. I'll be like, where do I sign the damn paper? Robot bodies. We've talked about robot <laughs> bodies. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're all into that. I'll be right behind you. That, that yeah. like, you do whatever you want. Smoke well, cigarettes all the time. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're no longer <laughs> bound to this decaying flesh. <laughs> yeah. For sure. But I, I guess my whole thing was it's an interesting concept in that, you know, um, there's sort of this like purity to the AI. Or, or, mm-hmm. or the robot that you know that they don't suffer from from our predilections to greed and getting drunk on power and and, and mistrust and and dishonesty and and all these things, fear being probably mm-hmm. the biggest one that gives birth to all the others. And um, I I don't know I I'm not sure if anybody felt that he was trying to put that out there. That's what I walked away with is this thing that was created had the absence of these uh, inherent human th- flaws that we see these other humans sort of doing uh, throughout the, the, the text and, uh, you know, it ends in their demise. Um, they don't make it out. But this thing that they create, this robot, is, carries this sort of purity. It's, it's almost the best of what humans want to be. And, and it's, it's a robot. Do we think it's prophetic? Like that w- humans maybe won't make it unless we start 
considering that or or is love actually the thing that he's saying is it struck me more as a divisive legacy what we leave behind yeah to to show other people what we were you know what i mean to 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 be a a literal star to guide us you know in the yeah. book mm-hmm. um well, wasn't the only thing left behind there were like a thousand people or 600 people well but they only yeah. survived because of uh essay because of jennifer lawrence i mean chris uh uh <laughs> sorry we're talking about children not passengers this guy sorry. is such a don't you don't come into my safe space <laughs> of a comic shop and talk to me like this daniel <laughs> but you you just you read it though you just read it right yeah no passengers this is passengers Oh, that's what you're arguing. Yeah, I see. Passing. I, have to, I, I haven't seen it. Is it. You're saying it's it's that close. I mean, they they're both in space. Yeah, and so <laughs> and they both have a man and a woman. <laughs> so in those regards, you are 100 percent correct. correct. They sacrifice themselves for the betterment of everybody else on the ship. Everybody does well, that what? in every no, story well, all the true. time. In the <laughs> what? In the movie, he just sacrificed. Oh wait, Do, does a, he sacrifice? He dies, doesn't do. he? No, they both do. It's an apocalyptic uh-huh. trope, though. Yeah. You know, an ap- yeah. apocalyptic story. That's what happens. Um, so I just, I just needed to, to yeah. poke the giant. Well, you right. fucking did it. Did you, I'm sorry. What's? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just broad uh, tuning in. Uh, yeah. Do you guys, you like passengers? No. You. I didn't even see passengers, like passengers. But Daniel will always try and get my goat by comparing a thing that I like to a thing that is shitty. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it's shitty, but you haven't seen it. Noted. Yeah. All right. <laughs> this is, all right, this is the show you do. All right. Cool. <laughs> I'm getting it from JD. <laughs> <laughs> going back to your the point about, about uh, the AI, I, I liked her. I liked her a lot. Um, I, I would disagree that she didn't have any fear. You said she didn't have any human traits. Right. What I liked about her is that she was she seemed very human to me for an AI, uh, which is always kind of my favorite thing. Like in Star Wars, their AI makes no sense, right? Uh, but it's very charming, and I like it. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> Uh, I liked her in this, and I felt like she did have fear because she was the one who was constantly afraid for Nika. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. She was Absolutely. almost like a mother figure who was like, "Oh, hun, don't don't do that." And that's a really interesting thing because we know the mother figure is yeah, an important surrogate. character in mm-hmm. this. So perhaps she has, and that was going to be my my final thought on the AI is like, you know, when we're talking about it, the argument always is is that because we're human and inherently flawed, the AI we create, the robots we create, will in turn carry those flaws with us right here perhaps it's not a flaw so much as she's 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 trying to create this idealized version of her mother in essie Mm -hmm. and puts puts those characteristics on there which end up being to her benefit and actually arguably save the human race Mm -hmm. um so yeah i I did not think of that beforehand but i Mm -hmm. absolutely i think that's a very strong thought. Yeah. Uh, to backtrack a little bit to their relationship and how they bond with each other, I think another really important aspect of this book is a very small scene towards the end. I believe they're going into the black hole. We're spoiling this, right? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> where they, you've been, you've been shown their um, breaking points in their lives, like either with right. the mother or with the... What was the, the guys? The war. Yeah. And so the when they, yeah, the PTSD, when uh, they go into the black hole and they're able to visit each other's breaking points. Mm. I thought that was very. Yeah. Yeah. I, and that's, cool. that really is. It just goes to that, that argument that you made previously, Nick, of like when we're seeing that of the other person, you know, you reveal your deepest, yep. darkest stuff to, to your other. And that's how you become a partner. And this happened and it happens literally in this book, which is 
quite really, literally, yeah. Really Rather cool. Than just being told, you're yep. able to walk. Yeah, um, yeah. That is that is really profound. I'm liking it even more and more the more we talk about it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> I love this book. I I, know? I really enjoyed it, it yeah. as well. Yeah, I think I, it, because I read it in this context of being like a critically analyzing it yeah. for the you know thing. I I started to think about things like the connections Avatar and stuff like that. But overall, absolutely, the story is brilliant. Yeah. And I wonder what I would have thought had I read it as you did, serialized and. Had that time in between. Frankly, right? there's always something to be said about reading a story serialized monthly. Mm-hmm. Monthly comics are some of the most yeah. satisfying things to do. You yeah. get a whole, you get a stack of six books a week. Mm-hmm. You know, to be continued. We'll see you next month. <laughs> like, damn it! <laughs> you know, it's awesome. It, it's it's a thrilling thing. That's why I, I don't know. It's it's something that the the whole idea behind people going and getting collections and I'm not trying to discourage that I want people to read comics but you know the idea is most of the stories that are collected were serialized first they were meant to be um, read they were meant to be read yep. monthly or biweekly or whatever and mm-hmm. the, it, that gets lost especially when I mean I think the New York Times probably contributed to that and oh, yeah, yeah I, I think like the, the the whole term graphic novel came because scholars didn't want to say comics mm-hmm. and embarrass themselves. No shit. Yeah, yeah I, graphic I get... novel is a thing. It bothers me. Yeah, you know, unless it was a larger work that was designed right as one piece as a graphic novel. So like an Attack on Titan or a Barefoot Jam. Those are serialized stories. Are they really? Yeah, I thought yeah. those were firstly because there's like. For both of those, there's so many. Yeah, books. They, I think. What do they do weekly in Japan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're weekly. Oh wow! Yeah. And then wow. they're collected for us. Yep. I did not know that. Yep. Yeah. No kidding. Uh, I feel the same way. People come in and they're like, uh, <clears throat> "I'd like the graphic novel section, please." And I'm like, yeah. "They're comics, man. They're <laughs> yeah. comics. Relax." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah. It just uh, it it just kind of tricked people. The first time I walked in. Here. Yeah. It tricked <laughs> people into me. saying. You know, telling their friends, I read this graphic novel that's really profound. Dude, yeah. you read comics, sir. I like, just get thing. over yeah. it. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? had no idea that yeah. that was the origin of it. It's a thing. Like, that, was... that was the term for these larger pieces. Yeah. And I thought that a comic was the shorter issues. And then, once and again, the... the New York Times went ahead and, and then devalued even the graphic novel by re- removing it from their bestsellers. Mm-hmm. Well, I know, didn't Sandman win uh, the um, Lovecraft award and now graphic novels or comics or whatever are no longer allowed to even be in the running because everybody's so pissed i don't know that i think yeah i didn't know that either uh, it's in uh one of the issues of sam uh, ellison who did you know uh, i have no mouth but i must scream yeah um he he gives one of the intros and he says he was in the audience when sandman i guess volume two or whatever won yeah and uh and everybody was super fucking pissed. And then every year after that, graphic novels and yeah. comics are no longer Lame. able to win. Yeah. yeah. Comics have been... Because Sandman is like, oh my God. Yeah, it's terrific. Yeah. How could and comics not? have been <laughs> constantly, 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 constantly devalued in the face of literature. That of I've definitely literature. seen, yeah. Because um, I've always been a newspaper comic fan. Yeah. I still read them. Those are That's where I started. Those have always been my favorite. And um, it is... You get one of those things, those looks and stuff like that. If yeah. you're sitting reading the comics, if you have the paper, if you have comics up on my, my screen at school, the kids walk by. And God forbid you, know. you read a superhero book. Mm-hmm. You know right. what I mean? But yeah. then you throw somebody all-star Superman, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. then Graham Morrison. That is literature. You know what I mean? It, it is brilliant. And, mm-hmm. But you read a Superman book. Oh, he's got tights on. Obviously, you're a kid. 
Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the thing, too. It's myth. It's just modern myth, yeah. you know? And I, I feel like if you use the word superhero and you use the word God, what is the difference? None. To me, they're interchangeable, <laughs> right. you know? I, I mean, I, Thor is a superhero. Yeah. <laughs> let's, exactly. Let's, exactly. Let's, come on. Yeah, I, it, it's bizarre to me, you know, and this is coming from an atheist, but, like, it is bizarre to me that, that people get so wound up in Up that, in arms, you know? just so weirdly up in arms about and, comics. And, and th- these, you know, myths, the, they, they, the ancient Greek gods are, are, are silly and they're just silly stories, but you have these other ones that we take so seriously. Are oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's the same thing. He's not a I'm, superhero. So are you man? saying that we should uh, actively worship Batman or... No, I, I'm saying we should. No, I'm saying that no idiots. Okay. In, <laughs> I'm saying that idiots a thousand years from now might have churches to Superman. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm saying. There you like, go. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that is absurd. That is absurd. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I think you know. Say what you will uh, about it, but Cloud Atlas, I think, touches on that quite well. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's, it's, it's bizarre. Time passes, and our appreciation and our thought of what one thing was or wasn't changes significantly. Big time. Yeah. I think th- I think they touched on this really eloquently on in um what was that in Passengers. <laughs> J Law really went ham on comic books. Now and he's mythology. sticking it to Daniel and me. <laughs> um, so to, to to wrap up, final thoughts on the uh, on the text. It was going to be would would you give this to somebody as their introduction? Yeah. I would I would agree with you guys. I don't think it would be a good one. Um, but I would say my final thought is um, I. I teach a uh, fiction of the future, and right now I use Attack on Titan, the, you know, the first collection, um, and I would use this one interchangeably with that. I think giving the kids a choice on this or that would be really interesting because of the sort of like world building that needs to take, take place, and honestly, the ideas of what does our future look like because technology is moving so quickly. Um, having them really consider what do I know now and where can it go, like that's that's inherent creative and critical thinking um, that has to be done. And I think Lemire does quite a bit of it uh, to get this story where it is. Um, so that was my big takeaway was what had to be considered to be able to, to make this story work in the way that it does. Um, and I think it does a fantastic job there. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think it's just extraordinarily well done. And, and that to me was one of the bigger things I took from it. Yeah. I thought the artwork was um, brilliant. The watercolors, particularly, mm-hmm. really enjoyed looking at those. Yeah, uh, I'm a sucker for anything World War One, so I like those flashbacks. I'm yeah, um, the Great War. Yeah, the Great to the, the end the wars. Yeah, um, oh. thank God too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank God it ended wars. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Thanks, Superman. Story, <laughs> <laughs> story oh, wise, wow. and all because you know I'm a writer. Uh, yeah. You're we're all writers. Um, give it three out of five. Meh. Meh. A solid meh from Daniel. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The, in my opinion, it doesn't read as well as it did. It, like collection, it feels it re- reads very quickly. It's burning through time and space and a love story, yeah. and um, it's just a completely different reading experience from my initial one. Um, my initial one, I thought it was completely brilliant. I felt that way, and I still feel that like that serialized nature of it made it terrific. Um, this. Um, just takes it away because it just jams it into a book that you can read in an hour. So you'd recommend people picking up the serial? Would they still be able to? Um, wait a month per issue. Like, you sure, you can get back issues of this at a Comic-Con somewhere. Or at your local comic shop. Or at your local comic shop. Do you have Trillium back issues? I do. Get out of here. All eight issues right here. <laughs> <trying to> do. 
let's take a month in between. <laughs> I will only sell you one per month. Yeah. <laughs> That's even better. Look at that. So I'm going to take the, the opposite tact on that. And uh, I read the first issue when it first hit comic shops. Um, and I went, wow, what a neat experiment with the medium. Never read another issue. I read the first oh. issue, and I, I, I wasn't taken enough. Um, first of all, Jeff Lemire's artwork has never spoken to me on any hmm. level. Well, it's uh, bizarre. It's, yeah. it's something for me to work my way through in order to get to his story. Sure. Oh. Um, uh, the, the, even the watercolors that you enjoyed, it just it feels very haphazard to me, mm-hmm. um, which, which I like because there's an energy to it. But as far as enjoying looking at a thing... This didn't do it for me. I, I enjoyed it well enough. Uh, I think I enjoyed it more in a in a trade paperback mm. um, than the single issue. So um, there's something about Jeff Lemire's writing style. I need a bunch of it at once. Mm. Otherwise, I lose the track. Okay. So yeah. I hear that. I felt that with Essex County, which is massive, mm. and I needed that in the trade. Uh, yep. and, th- and that really moved me. Like legitimately, there was a couple times. Yeah, a- Essex is wonderful. Cool too. Yeah. So uh, I enjoyed the book well enough. I think it was fine. Uh, I would give it three out of five. Meh. Hmm. Three Another out of five. Meh. Mess. <laughs> <laughs> it's more than deuce mess. Awesome. So uh, excellent. Let's move on. Yes. To the record. Now this are you got you're familiar with these guys? Uh, I'm familiar in them with them in that I heard it. Right. <laughs> and. I it was gave us a immediate- strong recommendation. Yeah, well, yeah. it's imme- I, it was immediately taken by it because yep. um, it struck me as a synth explosions in the sky with some metal influence to it. This is oh my god! Um, so this is what I wrote. This is what I wrote. <laughs> uh, across somewhere between explosions in the sky, Mogwai, and Mastodon. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And it's oh, that's not what I wrote. <laughs> I'll tell you it's that. Also, um, I did not. It doesn't strike me as as one of those bands that I really want to know a lot about. I just there's not a lot to know no. about them. That's the thing. There's I like to, anything. Yeah, out there. I just like to put this record on and let it play in the background yeah. and be lovely and heavy. It works very well. For and me. Yes. I picked it for this because it 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 sounds futuristic. It could be the fucking soundtrack. It could literally be the soundtrack. It, yeah. And that's why that was my main goal. So like instead of picking. Um, something that was thematically tethered to the book this time around. I thought, what would be a great record to soundtrack this thing? Yeah, and and this was that. It is. I bet if you played it and read it, it would be gorgeous. Uh, I did. How was it? It was fantastic. <laughs> so, uh, and then and then when I looked it over again, I kept the album playing. So yeah. what we're talking about the band Infinity Shred. Also, greatest band name. Ever, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty solid. And the shred never ends. <laughs> See, I thought the shred never started. When I was thinking about it, I was like, "Infinity shred," but there's no shred. Yeah, I, right. you, when you hear their name, it's true. You think thrash. But no, there's a couple blast beats. Yeah. Oh yeah, hell yeah. There. So when that popped up, I was like, I was like, all right. Yeah. Um, that perked your ears up. Yeah, well, oh, buddy. Yeah. As a drummer, I was waiting for it because there's a lot of that sludge, almost yep. like sort of, uh, uh, you know, slow, heavy on the bass. A lot of the the cymbals and snare, real, real high. Um, what I found, uh, so again, we're talking about Infinity Shred. The album's Long Distance came out in. Um, uh, 2016, it was self-released. They're on a few different labels for a lot of stuff. This is available on Bandcamp, I guess, as the only I just, it's, venue I, that I saw. I got it on um, yeah, Apple. Apple Music. Yeah, Apple Apple Music. Music. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, and so their first EP came out in 2012, so they've been a band for about you know six or seven years. Um, they do a lot of different things. I think 
this one for me when I listened to some of the back catalog and stuff was one that largely resonated perhaps because I have this experience with the book yeah. with it now um, but for me I I really liked honestly the the sort of experimentation I heard had I listened with headphones all the time in the recording because there's no lyrics uh, you know for the vast majority it's it's largely instrumental um, it's entirely instrumental it's, isn't it's, it it's yeah. instrumental yeah yeah um, so, I, but the the recording, they are messing with stuff. I don't know if anybody else is picking up. No, I get on that. It, yep. But they were they were messing on dynamic shifts, um, uh, just using the mix. Like in the mix, yeah. they were messing with stuff because uh, you'd hear it not so much like the overt like pan from ear to ear, but like the hi hat they would have automated so it would come in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, soundscape. Yeah, and that's, yeah. That's what this band strikes me as. It was Sounds very good. cool, um, very thoughtful. So that would be my that was my major takeaway yeah. off the bat was very very thoughtful because once I started noticing that I started noticing all these other things that were happening, um, and it was really satisfying yeah. uh, in that way for sure. You can put it on, just let it go. But then when I started listening critically, I was like, holy shit! It also works very well driving uh, on a summer eve with the oh, stars, yeah. and you're on a highway, and it's yes. Terrific. There is an atmosphere yeah. to it, and that's and what I—that's why I like this band because, like, bands like this, they're—they're. They're, you just don't pop them on and like, hey, listen to this track. No, it's right. like you have to be in a mood, you have to be in a space. You'd be cruising. Uh, yeah, yeah, man, you just gotta play it, and, and it works. They make a large it, sound. Yeah, scale. and it really works, cool. and it is often beautiful. I—I uh, I enjoyed it. Um, a couple years ago, I would have—I uh, would have. Burned my my iPod, I think. Um, <laughs> but because uh, you could no, just hit the there's no lyrics, there's nothing for me emotionally to gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, for some reason, I've been sort of leaning into synthwave recently, and uh, just having something on in the background while I'm drawing or working on on something, a commission, what have you, mm-hmm. um, or alphabetizing the the comics, whatever. So I don't have to li- worry about what they're saying. Right. I can just enjoy sort of the vibe of it. Mm-hmm. And so um, I actually have a playlist. Uh, synthwave Fury um, that's uh, on Spotify by Bloody Disgusting so it, it felt like it would match that yeah. Um, yeah. and it's it's just um, uh, I really enjoyed it I thought it was great nice. I, I could have used a little bit more um, Fury yeah they're they're yeah, they're sparing cool. yeah. in their in their use of of metal yeah. destruction yeah. of shred of yeah. shred yeah. Yeah. I needed like 2% more shred <laughs> yeah it's in the name but not quite shred uh, dial just there throughout yeah I liked it more than I wanted to or thought that I would <laughs> <laughs> wanted to yeah I, I came in not and just not wanting to like this uh, you were probably prejudiced because of the name prob- the most likely I, w- if I had to uh, compare it to something I would say it was probably like an instrumental version of Imagine Dragons crossed with Dream Theater. Dream Theater? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Imagine Dragons? Listen, listen. Port let me finish drummer, my thing. Whoa. <laughs> 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 it crossed between instrumental Imagine Dragons, Dream Theater, and Dr. Ross Geller's Soundscapes at the Coffee Shop. That's Friends Reference 2. 2, okay, yeah. I see Electrifying. <laughs> tones, they're just Infinite tones. Infinite time. <laughs> They're just, they're just um, no, you guys know I love I love synth, and and that was that was fantastic. There's actually I noticed they're from New York City. Me and Mike played with this uh, band called Phone Home. They have the best synths up there. <laughs> well, I think it's largely <laughs> because that's where the uh, Moog uh, 
factory is. They're just just sitting up there, tons of them. Um, and every now and then, you walk by, you'll find a synth on the ground. <laughs> spawning this new thing still synth works. addicts. Um, but no, they were called Phone Home, and it was a, a two brothers. One was a drummer, and the other was uh, you know, keyboardist, and he had a couple synths. And um, completely instrumental, just two synths and drums. Reminded me a lot of this. It didn't... So like the base of Infinity Shred, this album anyway, uh, was very reminiscent of what they were doing. Mm. And then these guys just put these layers on and really mess messing with the textures, I think was like the biggest thing that mm. I, that I was picking out. I was like, Oh my God, they're like lowering this here and automating this here. And it might be just because I'm more attuned to it now from mm. working with recording a little bit more. It's a like, very cool record to listen to. It like is. on top of like, cause it's for pleasant. me, instrumental music often I can get a very deep emotional response from um, instrumental music. Yep. Um, this, I get that. And then on top of that, you're like, that is really weird sounding and fun. It's a beautiful and, blend of yeah. the sort of um, uh, electric as well as the, you know, what the hell is the, the word? Acoustic? Is that, that's not what I was going to go for, but yeah. I Analog. Think, oh, there we go. Yeah. Analog. <laughs> I think I've listened to too much bad music like this. And I, I couldn't even point to it. Sometimes, like, in the middle of the night, it'd be on the radio. I remember in the early 2000s. It's um, so a lot of people that try and do this. Yeah. Don't yeah, because they think it's easy. It is not. It is really difficult. <laughs> so I had a bad taste in my mouth coming in, yeah. listening to it. Uh, and with that handicap already, it was, I, I think I like it. I don't know if I'll, I'll listen to it again on purpose. I, that I is will. literally the, the thing Daniel says every time I recommend a record for this show. <laughs> <laughs> I think I like it. I don't think I'll ever listen again. Yeah. On purpose. <laughs> On purpose, yeah. right. Listen. If we trick it into listening to it, we'll listen to it. I'm not going to shut it off. You know? yeah. It's pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> I did say that. I can't. <laughs> you did. Um, uh, I, I, you know, I, I really don't have many other thoughts than, than that because I have this like store of instrumental music mm -hmm. that I really like. Um, you know, as JD put it, I, I do in the same way I like to listen to it when I'm doing something yeah. usually creative. Um, it, it facilitates the kind of headspace that I think works yeah. best for that kind of endeavor. It, and this does a good job of it. Yeah, and I would say that it, uh, it doesn't do for me what classical music would. I'll just as soon put on some Bach or, you know, Beethoven symphony. Nice. Skid and Row. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want the words to interfere, right? Like this, for some reason, it doesn't hit the same the same uh, brain waves. It doesn't get me on that same wavelength that I think other instrumental music would. And I wonder sure. if it's because I want acoustic analog instruments and not just more digital stuff in a in a digital age. Will we say that this is more digitized than it is analog or acoustic? Yeah, this is. I think yeah, so. yeah, big time. Um, yeah, and that's, that's sort of the thing is, you know, as a drummer, I'm always looking to hear what, what a real drummer is doing. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. like if I want to listen to um, Big Black, I'll listen to Big Black. You know? um, I could just hear the Roland <laughs> doing its thing. Uh, but but uh, for, for what it is, I thought, you know, the atmosphere that it creates is a really, really yeah. pleasant uh, and accessible. It one. is pleasant. It is pleasant. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you what. It's a word, kind of, but no, I think it, it fits yeah. here. Yeah. It does. But I'll tell you this. It, 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 I was kind of at a loss to figure out what to talk about here, aside from its atmospherics, because yeah. there's really not much to talk about. It, it was designed for one purpose, to, yep. to let it spin and enjoy. You know what I mean? And that was it. It's pure. It's like candy. 
except well, without being um, yeah. Not, yeah, it's not too sweet. No. And, and, and that's the thing. Like you were saying, you were looking for something that didn't necessarily do what we usually do yeah. and thematically linked to the text. Work as a soundtrack, it definitely does that. Does. And I think where it links to the text is in its uniqueness, that it is what it is, right? Yep. Lemire, love him or hate him, you see it and you know that this is his work. Right. Um, and I think with these guys, it's the same thing. You listen to it, it's them. Yeah, and, and overall, you're like, hey, that added a thing to my experience of whatever I was doing at the time. Yeah. And yeah. I think you're right. It did work as a great soundtrack. Yeah. Yes, that's mm-hmm. that was going to be my final thought. Was yeah. it worked as a fantastic soundtrack to the? That's to the, book. the only reason I picked it. I was like, "Holy God, Infinity <laughs> Shred!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any other, uh, I guess, closing thoughts on it before we move move forward? I would just echo yours. Yep. Wonderful. Yeah. I I think this is great for this book. It's also like I said, driving in the summer with the stars out, and it's lovely and. You have some need for blast beat, but not too much. Yeah. I'm gonna give it six out of eight infinities. Nice. Six out of eight infinities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the math on that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't try it. I, I, I'd bump it up. I give it. I'd give it like a seven out of eight infinities. Out of eight infinities. Do you even know what an infinity is worth? No, you haven't explained I'm, it. You you're giving them seven. seven to go. So. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. I thought it was really good, though. I give it, I give it a, a B plus, A minus. Yeah. I, I think it's great. Sure. I'll give it eight infinities. <gasps> Out of eight infinities. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> he just gets whisked away. He's gone. <laughs> Sucked into the black hole. <laughs> a, a single trillion flower comes floating yeah. down. I eat it and then vomit. <laughs> where his whereabouts is whereabouts. Yeah. Any other thoughts? That's it for me. No, I'm good. It was fine. (laughs) It was fine. (laughs) Uh, I can't. You're giving it sevens and eights out of eights. That's crazy. Like uh, for the record, I gave it six. Six, six, (laughs) and sevens and eights. I give it four infinities. Uh, I think it's just it's Hmm. lovely to have on in the background. So it's hard for me to give that many infinities to (laughs) something that I'm not paying that much attention to. You know, it reminds me of the uh, high fidelity, um, the the movie, not the book. Sure. Um, where he's like, I just want something on that I can ignore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, even as a kid, I was like, What do you? Why would you put on something you can ignore? That's why we have Nick around. What are you? You're old, and that now that I'm forty, mean. I go, I just want something <laughs> I can ignore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if it's something I can ignore and just sort of enjoy in the background, then uh, I'm not connecting emotionally to it, and then I'm not going to be give it that many infinities. <laughs> <laughs> well, you for the record, the infinity it. scale. I am enjoying it. Yeah. For the record, the infinity scale is purely made up. Even if I give it one infinity, that's pretty dope. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, nice. So Did you hear on. what he said about me? Yeah, that's why you're here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's I, miserable. It's a miserable thing to say. I don't have time to get into defending you. Can't, you yeah. <laughs> I defend you, of course. I was the guy that's that defends everybody in the apocalyptic movie, that's and he gives me the guy that just wants to be in the background who you can ignore. Yeah. This is good. Brutal. He's only yeah. saying that because your voice is so bombastic that it, it, it out, outshines his on every mix. I'm the little yappy dog. Just <laughs> playing your heel. That's all. He's a little shivering chihuahua yeah. podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, excellent. So let's let's move on to our, our, our final piece here, which is Flying Dog Brewery. We are looking at the old Blood Orange Ale. This is yay, yay. the Bloodline... <laughs> uh, Bloodline beer. Uh, so, whose keys are these? Keys are these? <laughs> everyone's. Um, you have everyone's What's keys on your key ring. What's what I think is so awesome about these guys is one. It started by 
Uh, one dude named George uh, Strantham, and he is guess whose uh, neighbor? Guess who his neighbor is? Mr. Rogers. Hunter S. Thompson. So Hunter S. Oh, Thompson is his neighbor. He, uh, you know, he's brewing beer in the '80s and stuff like that. Hunter's his neighbor. They both enjoy uh, drinking, obviously, and uh, guns, weaponry. So uh, they're hanging out. And Johnny Depp films. And, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> at, at some point, Hunter introduces him to Stedman. And then, of course, Stedman Ralph starts. Uh, Stedman. Ralph Stedman, the uh, artist uh, well known for his fear and loathing artwork with Hunter S. Thompson, the ink splot, you know, sort of heavy drawing. Um, Disturbing. Yeah, you know, and which is a style that uh, arguably he developed after meeting Hunter and sort of engaging in, one could argue, illicit activity. Uh, and so, in any case, his perspective has changed drastically hmm. after meeting Hunter. Stedman starts uh, uh, drawing this way, and uh, the guys at Flying Dog, they um, ask him to do the label. He does, and the uh, the rest is history. So that is their aesthetic. This is a little Stedman, bit of an ass kicker, isn't it? The, uh, the Stedman... Um, aesthetic is theirs as well. Nice. Um, and it's interesting because uh, the owner of Flying Dog, his uh, ranch is called Flying Dog. Um, just as a little background, it's because he was in China uh, on a little adventure, and he goes and he sees this big archway that was painted uh, with a pug that had wings, and uh, it was meant to sort of symbolize um, before China, before the open wars and, and you know colonization, different things like that, um, just sort of like that freedom and 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 um, uh, prosperousness that was there. Uh, that's what the dog, the flying dog, was meant to represent. He liked the aesthetic, named his ranch that, and then he names his brewery that. Very cool. Um, and so we have a Hunter S. Thompson literary connection there, Stedman the artistic connection, uh, and of course, you know the bloodline is our. Th- sort of thematic connection today. Right on. So it works well, I think. Shall we imbibe? Yes, let's imbibe. Cheers. 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 All right. And we should note, uh, we're drinking it in the old the old bottles here. I don't. Do you guys find that there's a difference make? between bottles and beer, uh, bottles and cans? In Coors Light, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, you're drinking Coors Light. Yeah, I have a weak stomach. I need to drink light oh, things. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> like this right here is going to really He's have, gonna be, uh, I'm going to be in trouble today. Destroyed. Yeah, I do. I absolutely do. I think some beers are actually they're better suited to yeah. a can. They're saying mm-hmm. the can is better. Yes. A few years ago when the can revolution happened, yeah. there was a... That's the most ridiculous uh, thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> there was an article that the came out. The can revolution! <laughs> <laughs> well, they all started canning. Right. And yeah. there was this, this, this study done. I think, was by, uh, I think it was paid by, uh, by Big Aluminum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they said, like, preserve the freshness. I only want aluminum, okay? <laughs> <laughs> they were just better suited. You could get that kind of factory freshness better yeah. out of a can than you could out of a bottle. Hmm. It so holds the gases better. That that's very true because with a bottle you undoubtedly get and the, the light, um, the light. Yeah, so that's the biggest thing is the light. I'm gonna be holding the gases better later on. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. He means farts. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for for our you know uh, beer nerds, this is a blood orange ale. The uh, malts are Ryan caramel mm-hmm. and the hops are northern brewer citra and galaxy american ale yeast is used uh for daniel it's about 40 ibus 40 <laughs> ibus that's too many ibus it should only go to 100 it's not an ipa it's constantly oh, you confused. said 40 not never mind yeah 
I'm thinking in, in, in infinities. And <laughs> oh, it's not an IPA. No, it's not. It's just an ale. Tastes like one, um, doesn't it? Oh, it sure does. It, it that's all like I'm one. getting from it. They're, these guys, yeah, uh, grit. Flying Dog is very hop heavy. With all, I mean, most of their beers are eight and above almost. You know, yeah. you rarely find one that isn't. Um, well, which one is this? This is seven. Seven. Seven <laughs> percent. The bloodline's seven on the money. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> Just I, think of I saw course lights. you brought it in in a harpoon IPA six pack case. So yeah. I, literally, all I really focused in on was an IPA. And yeah. I'm like, well, I'm gonna hate this because yeah. I hate IPAs. There's only a couple of beers that I actually thoroughly enjoy. Uh, so anytime anyone hands me anything super hoppy or an IPA or uh, like a stout, I can't do. It's like I love looks delicious. Looks like a delicious milkshake. It's yeah. terrible. Right. Uh, so I was <laughs> thoroughly prepared to hate this, and I do not. Oh, nice. How about Wonderful. that? That's great. I. So it's 40 IBUs. It's 40 IBUs, yeah. What is an IBU? It's, it's, it's three infinities. Units. Oh, okay, no, gotcha. International bittering units, right? International? I think that's what it is. I think that's the, yeah. It, yeah. So the higher the IBU, uh-huh. the, the more hoppy it essentially is going to be. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. I, this uh, little note from the brewery. What brings us together as brethren of good beer is a bitterness that runs through our veins. What would typically make goosebumps rise and shen- sends shivers up spines merely fuels our intense love of the craft. Cast away your fears, embrace the fire, and join our flock. That's their thing. So there are pretty potent beers most of the time. I think this is one of their most tame, and I enjoy the, I enjoy the blood orange sort of tart that comes at the end. Yeah, because it's a tart and it's not a bitter. I'm not getting it. Yeah, I'm not getting the blood orange. It's. Uh, Have you had blood orange before? Let me ask you that. Mm. Like as an isolated, I'm eating a blood orange. I can't say that I have. Or even just an orange covered in blood. <laughs> I've had that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like nickels. Oh. It's like nickels and like citrus. metal without mm. just a little bit of blast like A hint beat. of penny in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A little copper overtone. Um, no, the blood orange is a unique flavor. I remember the first time I had it, I was just intrigued by the name, and I made uh, margaritas with it, like fresh margaritas. Mm. And it was really, really tasty because um, I guess I used... In any case, a good tequila or something like that. So you got mostly the orange. Sure. And that was really tasty. And uh, I remember when this first came out, I was really interested in trying it. And I really I really did enjoy it. I think it's I think it's a very tasty beer. I think it is one that all of us probably could agree, you know, you're, you're not having a whole bunch of these. No. Um, but it is a tasty one. And I imagine, for me, ones like this would go really well with uh, a barbecue of some kind. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's I think the pairing there if you were to if you were to pair it. If you were a pairman. If you were a pairman, absolutely. But I, I love how linked to Hunter S. Thompson and uh Ralph Stedman this is. Like I, I thought that they just like because he always drew the bats and the flying mm-hmm. whatevers. So I thought it was it was from that. But then when I read up I was like, oh my God, there's all this like you know Chinese uh, sort of like imagery that's that's being used as well, and then what do you know? They have sort of like him actually being commissioned to do it, or you did it what? on his own. There wasn't really a clear thing, that he, <clears throat> but it was he was asked to just pay me in beer. Yeah, the first time I saw Flying Dog beer, um, I I erroneously thought. Um, those horror stories collections for children. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like those stories odd, that you tell in the dark. Yeah, those that Scary those horrific story, yeah. images and those yeah. books. I think Guillermo del Toro is going to do the movie. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to be yeah. anywhere near that. Th- like that's going to scare <laughs> me to death. Like those stories were horrific. Awesome. Uh, Talk about scholastic uh, book no, fairs. Th- yeah, that's where they were. Right? But like, yeah, how yeah, are yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Those were the best. They that's scared they me to them. death. To yeah. death. Really? Oh, I mean, yeah. I'm not a big I'm not a big horrorman. 
but I, I enjoyed those quite a bit. Yeah. I am a big horrorman. Um, of course, yeah. And I also enjoyed those a bit. Uh, yeah. And Ralph Stegman, I remember I, I had gone in, because I was also an art school student. I went, you know, I was a big fan of Ralph Stegman and everything. So when I came into the beer place, the beer <laughs> town store, um, <laughs> and I saw that there was, this is a strong beer. Um, when I saw 100%. the Ralph Stegman. I don't even know what you're saying um, anymore. Uh, labels. I was like, "Ooh, yeah. I'm gonna eat that." Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I realized, uh, "Oh, this is terrible." I've had Flying Dog in the past, and I've never enjoyed it. This is the first time uh, that I'm enjoying it. So, Bloodline is on my list to drink. Wonderful. So you just the, need to be tricked yeah. into something that you really don't like, like an IPA. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and then be, like, oh, it's an IPA. I'm gonna hate it. Oh, Put no, some good delicious. artwork yeah. from yep. a hero. And uh, then actually have it be an okay beer. I'm easily manipulated, scheme. yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Diabolical. Yeah, no, the first one I was introduced to was, I guess because Westchester was such like a sort of like party school or whatever. There was a bar up there, and they would always like debut beers. So like Victory Brewing wasn't too far away. Um, these guys aren't close, but when they came out with the Raging Bitch, bitch, bitch yeah. or yes. whatever it was, uh, which I read up that they got in legal trouble because of that. I think oh no, shit! Illinois was like, we won't sell this because it's it's a fe- not offensive. It's like it's disgusting. Yeah, something like like that. there's a, a horrific looking dog on it with horribly distended distended teats. Right. Yep. Yep. And yep, yep. it's just an unpleasant image. It is. It is. <laughs> um, but in any case, that was the one they were, they would do these things where a new beer or whatever uh, they would try it out on the Westchester folk uh, for a dollar. And they were a dollar. What? What, what kind of like <laughs> sample is that? Just give it to Westchester, charge them a dollar. That's what I felt like was going on. Hey, what See do you guys think of this like, beer? It's great. There was, there was a huge, one. Well, you know, they have reps from the company there, and they're like, try our new beer. It's only a dollar. This one I think is really delicious. I love it. Yeah, nice. I like it a lot. I'm still marveling over the phrase horribly distended teats. <laughs> uh, I think they should name their next beer that. Yeah. Hey. If they they're listening, you can that. take yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, that's what the image horribly distended teats IPA. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> mm. This is what it'll do to you. No. <laughs> oh, one see now that sounds like a metal band actually. Yes, yeah, it does. Yeah. I know. I found the the history of the the brewery really interesting. The beer itself is just delicious. Stands on its own. Yeah, I, I wish I could say anything about it. I, I just tastes like a like an IPA yeah, to you're me. Not really getting and it is not an IPA. So that that I really mean, goes it, to to show. Yeah, it tastes more of like a a hoppier. Pale ale, right? Yeah. So it doesn't have the bite that that a true IPA would have. It's just got that kind of gritty, pale. Well, I'll tell you what, it, it sends the stomach acid right into the throat. Yeah, what? Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is where you want it. <laughs> something to be noted too, like Flying Dog is one of the largest craft breweries in the United States. Is what? it really? Yeah. So what is it? Twenty eighth in the country. Right. Oh, out of that doesn't sound familiar. a billion. Out of a there billion. Are yeah. billion so, yeah. so that sounds many. like only two out of eight infinities. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was looking at it, and th- it is a gigantic list. Some that I thought would be much higher than them are lower than them. Like who? Um, which one? It wasn't Victory. Crap. It was one that was, I thought, way bigger, and I didn't write it down. I apologize. Huh. But I was surprised when I when you start looking at the list, like that 28th actually is pretty. I thought I, I was under the impression Flying Dog was an outlier that somehow made its way to Pennsylvania. No, they do a uh, hundred thousand, uh, uh, which we call it, like brews. Infinities a year. <laughs> yeah, okay. A year. That's a lot. You know? Yeah, we were carrying them in the early two thousands at the bar. I've seen them yeah. all my drinking life. Really, they're that old? Yeah. Oh yeah. They I didn't started in nineteen ninety. 
Holy crap! They've, I been, around, they've been a brewery since nineteen ninety. Did you say that brewing, earlier in the show? I think I might have. Seven percent. He's been. <laughs> <laughs> he's been brewing since eighty five. Holy crap! Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I'm I mean, glad I finally about, found one I like. <laughs> 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 Nearly thirty years. Yeah. 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 So, um, I think it's unique. I think it's just like Lemire and uh, just like Infinity Shred. They are what they are. Like they have their style and they are very distinct. So I, I'm sorry. I 1990 was almost 30 years ago. Right, dude. Yeah. How about it's that? 2019. I'm crumbling to death. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel so good, Mr. Stark. Fuck. <laughs> 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 well done. God, this is well done. It. This is why robot bodies are. <laughs> I need a robot body. Hug me in. Hug me in. <laughs> Upload my consciousness, Cappy. <laughs> I don't drink a lot of flying fish. Uh, I probably won't have one. This, well, this is flying, this is flying dog. dog. Oh Jesus. Seven you percent. Know. Yep. Probably won't have one, another flying dog, in another day, a week, a month, or maybe even a year. I probably won't have another one. Okay. But <laughs> next time we <laughs> do have a beer, what if I, what if I trick you into it? I'll let you know. No, because, I'm, I'll be because I'm new here, I'd like to go around real quick. What are your favorite beers? That was number three, Friends Reference. Oh, no. oh, oh, son of a bitch! Son, <laughs> well um, I've never seen a friend, one friends. <laughs> yeah. JD, you had a question. Yeah, I asked it. Right. Should what I are, ask it again? I, I What's your favorite right beer? Over you. What's your favorite so, beer? So mine for, <laughs> for a very long time was the uh, Lagunitas IPA. Lagunitas. Lagunitas. <laughs> um, but really, when I think about it, my, my favorite beer probably is the... Um, the uh, Core's original Yellow Belly. That's the one that I drink the most, and never heard frankly, I'd never have a, yeah. a, a problem with it. But you know, I, I don't know. It's tough to, to really land on one because I, I do I do differentiate greatly. Yeah, like depending on mood. Yeah, really. Mm. I, I I am really into I guess these session beers now. So they they have like a little bit of hop, but they're like four or five percent. Like the uh, the Oscar Blues Pinner, I really like. I like the Lagunitas Daytime. I like the Founders All Day. Like those are really, I think, good drinking beers. Because if I drink beer, I have many beers, so I don't. You, <laughs> you need a good drinking beer. You don't want a good gargling beer, exactly. yeah, for I sure. Don't, I, I don't want to be at the yeah. mic and all you hear is like, like uh, I, I just housed a whole bunch of pop rocks. <laughs> but you don't want that. Because <laughs> that. Hey, happen. hey, kids, ask your grandparents what pop rocks were. Yeah. <laughs> Aided Deuce. Uh, Guinness every day. Oh, you monster. Yeah. Nice. Um, so, as I said, as everyone listening, our one, our all our fan, um, <laughs> they know all our fan are belong to us. <laughs> um, they know I am partial to Coors Light. It tastes like beer. I love it, um, mainly because of my health issues. But uh, outside of that, I love um, Left Hand Milk Stout. Ah. Uh. A very good one. I love when that's on the nitro or the hand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a beautiful It day. is It's really frosts fabulous. up that lactose. I, oh. It does. It does. I'll tell you what. You can't inject stouts there is with CO2. N- there's nothing better opinion. than eating a big old burger mm. with that milk stout. Well, right now, uh, down the street, Guinness is on the hand-drawn and the burger at uh, Jake and Coop's is... Mm. Holy moly. Yeah, it's a good combo. 
For those who want to know where to actually go, it's called Jake and Cooper's. Yeah. <laughs> Not Jake and Coops's. 7%. Yeah, 7%. Clock, clock at 7%. Jickle it a coop. Uh, how about you? What's your uh, I drink a lot of uh, real light, happy beer. I like, I like a light, like, mm, kind of happy beer. I don't like the real, like, a Guinness. I went to London, and I went to the pub, and I got a, I got my pack of silk-cut cigarettes, which are John Constantine's favorite cigarettes. Right on. And uh, I got a Guinness, and he poured it, and it came out looking like a milkshake, and I was so excited. And then I took a sip, and an entire bowling ball uh, fell into my stomach. So um, I was like, "I don't, I don't." Does anyone else want anyone want this? So um, I, I like things that are happier, like a little Corona, okay. or um, my favorite right now is an Allagash White. Yeah, that's oh, good yeah. beer. Oh, I like Allagash White. I, I came upon, I came upon it was like a beer special somewhere, and now yeah. that's like my go-to beer. You drink um, too much of it; they'll sneak up on you. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, when I was a butcher, we used to go to the bar down the street, and we get Allagash when we first, you know, newly twenty-one. We get them, and holy shit, man! Oh yeah, it does sneak. I, I oh, it'll carry out. I, I I remember talking to my boss one time. I was like, dude, um, you got to put me on the. Uh, on the on the mailing list, where you going? On the ground meat, like I can't use the I can't use the saw for the rest of the day. Oh. I think I'm ready to cut the T-bones for the rest of the day because I need to I need to be in a safe space. Even if I wear the, ch- the chainmail gloves, I'm not. It's I don't feel comfortable no. myself nope. after a few of those. They actually do up at the Hilltop Hilltown Tavern mm. on Roxborough Ave. They do a um, a uh, sort of like. What's that champagne and orange juice? The mimosa, mimosa, like, but it's Allagash White Ooh. champagne. Oh, and orange yeah, juice. hell yeah, girl. Which is I drink it. That was my, I'm a drink it. Response. Belgian <laughs> Cafe does yeah. something similar, yeah. but with Blue Moon. Uh, well, oh, I also uh, love Blue Moon. That's yeah. another good. Yeah, I used good. to love uh, who are those other guys. My my go to beer was always uh, Yingling. And then yeah. I, had to, I had to give them up. Heartburn. Well, they, <laughs> yeah. they, they, they turned on me. Yeah. Well, yeah. They turned on all of us. Well, they, they turned on me early once my, you know. Poor esophagus. GERD. Yeah, oh, the GERD. Yeah. Yeah. Reference number English. three to his. Yeah. <laughs> it, within very Reflux. short time period on well, the show. It's the beer yeah. section, yeah. so that yeah. happens. Yeah. I uh, loved it. No, but that guy's a monster. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, we know. <laughs> Mr. Um Absolutely. So I. Uh, I oh, I we're getting the we're getting the motion. Much, much <laughs> to wrap it up on that. I think Daniel gave us a hook. This is a very original cast of three original. Very unique, sort of things in there. This in, was in their artistry. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of fun. Uh, wonderful choices, Nick. Thank you. Way to go. Thanks. Cheers, and a, a, a huge thank you, of course, to uh, JD for for having us. That me. If you if you haven't, please, I want to give you a moment to 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 tell people where we are. And Plug where they your can shop. Find. Yeah, man. This wonderful, wonderful place. So my pen name is Johnny Destructo. You can come to my comic book store. It's called Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex or just Hero Complex. Um, I also do a bunch of podcasts, the Colts Pop Network of Podcasts, C-U-L-T-P-O-P, at coltspopgo.com. I do a horror movie podcast called The Cannibal Horror Cast. I do Spoiler Alert, which is a weekly comic book review show, and Gutter Talk, which we do here live at the shop, which is more of an overarching umbrella podcast about pop culture. With uh, the Bat Tribble, Len from the Black Tribbles. Uh, nice. Philly's premier black podcast network. You should check them out as well. And I'm at 4327 Main Street in Maniunk, Pennsylvania. Come and hang out with me and say hi. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely wonderful place. Love it. This is where I get all of my. I've never been more. Ex- like, I hang out in comic book sh- stops for a long time. 
But, but what about shops? Seven <laughs> percent. <laughs> I hang out in comic book shops for a while. Yeah. Uh, never have I had an actual reason to. So this was a real pleasure. Nice. So thank oh, you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having Comic us. book stops are more where you find glory holes, right? Ooh. And on that note, I think we should wrap it up. Hit us with, <laughs> hit us with the socials, hit, Nick. Yeah, hit us with hey, the socials, buddy boy. If you enjoyed what you heard today, or whenever mm-hmm. you happen, happen to be listening, uh, please hit us up on the social networks, uh, facebook.com slash bookrecordbeerpodcast, Instagram at bookrecordbeer, and on Instagram at book.record.beer. Remember, we are also on iTunes, so star us, rate us, do whatever you need to do. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. We're here at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Manion, Pennsylvania. See ya! To the black hole. Toodles! 7%. <laughs>